that you'd speak through me, that Holy Spirit, you'd take my words, apply them into people's hearts, and Father, that we can see what you're doing, what you're trying to say to us, how you're trying to encourage us as a church and as a people, Father. We thank you right now that uh, we take this on board. We say, yes, Lord, I'm behind this, I'm in this, this is uh, something you're asking me to do, and I'm going to do this with all my heart, in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. This morning I'm continuing on with a series that I've been doing called A Passion for Souls, and this is part three. This is, uh, I want to tie this in with our Appreciation Sunday to a degree, because obviously this is our Appreciation Sunday where Jane and I simply say thank you to everybody at Infused Church for making this the place that it is. Uh, I believe it's one of the most friendly churches that you'll ever go to. Um, I think it's just an amazing how people get in and just uh, connect uh, with you in, in great ways. Being grateful doesn't actually seem like a big thing, but it is. I believe it is with all my heart. In an age where there's a sense of personal entitlement that seems so prevalent today, saying thank you is sadly not quite as common as we would like to think it is. Jesus actually offered thanks for fish and bread just before he fed over 9,000 people. Paul encourages the believers in Thessalonica to be thankful in all things. He says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Jesus Christ. It doesn't say thank you for all things. It says to be thankful in all all things. There's a massive difference, okay? Because if you're sick or you're bankrupt, uh, that's nothing to be thankful for, okay? But it is something to be thankful in. And I think there's a huge difference. So what should we be thankful in? Well, I'm thankful I'm in Christ. I'm thankful I'm in Christ. I'm thankful for the salvation that Jesus has made possible for me this morning. I'm thankful for the grace of God, that I'm forgiven, that I'm loved by God. I'm thankful for the life that God has made available to me through Jesus. Church, what are you thankful for this morning? What if it was your birthday? What if you won a million dollars? What if you had an awesome new toy? What if you got a perfect report card? Who would you tell? Who would you tell? Who would you tell? Who would you tell? Would you tell your family? Would you tell your friends? Would you tell everybody? Who would you tell? What would you say? Guess what? You've got to hear this. This is awesome. Would you tell them all about it? Would you leave anything out? Would they see your excitement? Who would you tell? What if God gave us his son? To love us. To forgive us. To die for us. To be punished for us. Instead of us. To save us. What are you thankful for this morning? What are you thankful for this morning? And who would you tell? That's a challenge, isn't it? That's a massive challenge for us all. 
Being thankful is both an attitude of life and it can be demonstrated in life. One of the ways that we can show how thankful we are for what God has done in our lives is to respond to his call to us to be his witnesses in this world. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you'll be given my power and you're to go and to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I love what the Passion Translation says. See, I've got the Passion Translation. Those of you here last week, there was some other person up here talking. They just mumbled their words. Well, that wasn't me. So the Passion Translation uh, out of Mark chapter 16, verse 15 says this. And Jesus said to them, As you go into the world, preach openly the wonderful news of the gospel to the entire human race. I love the way that it says... As you go into the world, there's this sense I get that Jesus is telling us to be deliberate about this, to be intentional about being a witness, about being open with the wonderful news of the gospel. I think it's, 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 there's this, this sense I get that Jesus is encouraging us to, to, to reach out and to be open with our lives and what Christ has done for us. So this morning, I want to spend a little bit of time to help us to take the next step in this passion for souls, this next step of getting intentional in what we do. See, we started this year talking about salvation, in particular, the cup of salvation out of the four cup series that we did, where God wants to take us out of Egypt. There's people in our community, there's people in our families, there's friends that we know who need to come out of Egypt. And Christ is asking us to to be open in helping them to see that Jesus is alive. And so this year, we're going to end this year talking about salvation again, the cup of salvation through having a passion for souls, a heart for the lost, a desire to see our family and our friends and those that we encounter in everyday life experience the abundant life that God the Father offers through Christ Jesus this morning. Infused Church exists to create encounters with God for everyone that we meet. As we are led by the Holy Spirit, it's what we do. This is the way that the church is heading, the direction that we're going. We're going to be open with our lives and talk about this wonderful thing called the gospel. I've set myself and this church a goal of winning one person, one person to, to Christ in the next 12 months. My goal, my aim is to see one person, I know exactly who I'm targeting, and his name is on our board. Who are you targeting? Who are you targeting? Is their name on the board? We're praying for that. Every time I come into this sanctuary, I pray over that board. In our early morning, uh, Wednesday morning prayer meeting from 6.30 to 7.30 in the morning, we're praying over, our, over these names, these lives that, are, that, that people are putting up on, on these boards. As a leadership team, we've articulated the value of this church, that we are soul winners. We are a soul winning church. That's who we are. We lovingly share about and live our faith as a witness to to our world of God's love. But I love this statement out of the Passion Translation. It just gripped me about that as we go into our world, as we go into our world, we're to openly Share the wonderful news of the gospel in whatever sphere or influence that we have within our world. 
Those words mark the beginning of the Christian church. They represent the heart, the calling, the purpose, and the potential of the church of Jesus. And they also mark the greatest shortcoming that the church has today, I believe. Of all the things that we are and the things that we do, being intentional about openly sharing the wonderful news of the gospel has been delegated to those who are evangelists or they're the pastors. It's their job to, to, to share about Jesus. It's, it's for the extroverts in our churches. I'm an introvert. I'm very reserved and, and, I, have no, and I, I just can't share anything with the people in my world. That's the way that we think. But it's not for those people only. Jesus didn't stipulate that those were the, uh, only the, the evangelists or the pastors and, the, uh, and the, the, the extroverts that were the ones to share the good news, to openly share that wonderful news of the gospel. He didn't clarify that. He didn't stipulate that there's a certain classification of person that does that. He said that to us, collective. He didn't single out just the extroverts. He, he, he said that to everybody. Today's church has so many great things going for it. Programs, entertainment, we, we fellowship and talk. And, but too often we fall short on intentionally and openly being a witness for Jesus. Mark chapter 1 verse 17, Jesus says to these guys that he's just met who've been fishing. You know, he's, he said to them, come follow me and I'll show you how to fish for people. He said that to a group of people that were fishing. He's used the image of what they were doing that actually spoke to what he wanted them to see and to to experience in their lives. And I believe that Jesus would say exactly the same thing to us if he were to talk to us this morning. He'd show us that just as the disciples, those fishing guys, he'd say to them that I'm going to make you fishers of men. He'll show us how to fish, how to connect people with God in our world and in our, in our context. You see, if Jesus came across these guys and that they were, they, there was an accountant, he'd say, come follow me. And as you're doing your accountancy, I'm going to show you how you can connect someone with me so that they're going to see life everlasting. If they were a builder, he would say to them, come follow me and I'll show you how to build the house of God. You see, I understand that and I think that I can make a case for it, to be honest. Okay, If you think about, and I said this to the guys this morning in our VIP hut, I said, Matthew, okay, in the gospel of Matthew, Matthew was a tax collector. He was a person who understood that he needed to collect stuff for the government. He understood how the government system worked. So it's no surprise to me that the gospel of Matthew is renowned for knowing that that Jesus, the Messiah, the the, the king, the authority. See, Jesus said to, to Matthew, come follow me and I'll teach you about spiritual authority, Matthew. I'll teach you how to recognize kingship and lordship. You see, when Luke is, is a, he's a doctor by trade. And we see in the, in the gospel of Luke, you know, I'm, it wouldn't surprise me to say and to, to hear that, that Jesus has said to Luke, Luke, I want, come and follow me. And as you're a doctor, I'm going to show you the great healer. Because his gospel is full of healing examples to us. I said this to the guys this morning, the gospel of John. The gospel of John is renowned for being a gospel where we, we understand the revelation of love that God has got for people and, and, and for, for, the, for the world. 
I, you know, John was perhaps a fisherman, but part of me wonders whether he was the Galilean playboy. So, so he, he's got this understanding of what it's like to love. But God says to Jesus, says to John, John, just as much as you're a good lover in the world, what I want you to do is to come follow me and I'll show you a love that surpasses everything. And you'll get a revelation of it and you'll share it with your world. See, as you go into your work, Jesus would say to you, as you're going into work today, I'm going to show you how you can build the kingdom of God, how you can connect people with me. As you, as you go to the universities and schools, young people, Jesus is saying to you, come follow me. And as you go to school, I'm going to tell you how you can connect your teachers, your buddies, your pals, the staff workers, the support workers. I'm going to show you how you can connect them and you can understand and start to build the kingdom with that and in that. As you go into the shops today, follow me and I'll show you how you can connect that shop assistant, that, that complete stranger. I'm going to talk to you about that person and I'm going to show you some stuff. And all I want you to do is to, to openly share the wonderful news of the gospel with that person. Jesus would tell us to be intentional, deliberate and open about who Jesus is. If we take the example that Jesus gave his disciples, making them fishers of men. See, see, if we just think about fishing, you've got to be intentional about fishing. To go fishing, you have to be intentional. Okay? Fish don't just jump into your boat. Most times they don't just jump in your boat, all right? <laughs> but I've got to tell you right now, they had to be intentional about being on the water. They had to be intentional about being on the water. See, to go fishing, you need a fishing rod, you need a reel. You've got some idea of what you're doing when you go fishing, which is unlike me. Okay? You need hooks and there's a heap of other gear. Like If you ever wanted to get into a really good uh, industry that's going to take off, Okay, get into a fishing shop because there's people that love fishing and they'll pay anything to do, to do that. So, just but there's there's stuff you know to be go fishing. You need a river, a lake, a pond. Okay, you need the ocean or the beach. You know, there's some body of of water where fish hang out. You know, we need the right bait, a lure, a worm. We need to you know, have a baited hooks into the water and we need to start fishing. 
We need to be, we need to be intentional when we're fishing. So in this series so far, I've, I've shared about developing a desire and getting started. <clears throat> so that today I want to take us a step further down the road where we get intentional about being witnesses. <clears throat> to do that, I want to look at the book of Acts chapter 3. Now, I'm not going to read the entire chapter for the sake of time this morning. But suffice it to say, it's just the simple moment where Peter and John are about to go into the temple. And outside, by the gate beautiful, there is a person, a man, who's been lame since birth. He's sitting at the, the gate and he's begging. And uh, you know, he, he actually sees Peter and John coming. And he says, you know, oh, can I have you know, some, some money? Or, he just starts to beg. And, and Peter and John look at this man and they say to him, you know, silver and gold we don't have, but what we do have in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. They take the man by the hand and they lift him up and, and he's healed instantly and he goes running and leaping and dancing, a little bit like what happened out here this morning in the mosh pit. Okay, sorry for little Sophie in the back there. Apparently she got crushed, and, but uh, we, we just prayed for her and she's got resurrected. It's great. So, uh, so it's just, it's, you know, he's gone running into the temple and it's just an amazing experience. And, and people are, are in amazement and wonder and they say, I'm sure I know that person. I'm sure that I've seen that person before. Now, where was it? You know? And all of a sudden, it, it, the penny drops and they suddenly remember that that's the guy that was lame and couldn't walk and is always begging at the entrance to the temple. And he's the one that's sitting down there that I always overlook. You know, what's he doing in here? And it's an amazing account of what God does for a person in, in their moment in time. So that's the story that we're going to be talking about and the context in which we're going to look at this this morning. There's two things that we need to understand about taking uh, this to a next step, about being intentional. See, getting intentional means, number one, looking for opportunities. We need to look for opportunities. We need to look for opportunities. See, it's about three in the afternoon and there's a sea of people that surround Peter and John as they enter the temple for, uh, for prayer that afternoon. But one man catches their eye. He's not the rich young ruler who can fund their cause. He's not the self-righteous Pharisee who dresses up in a, a cold heart in fancy clothes. He's not even the wicked tax collector seeking to appease his guilty conscience. This man is a beggar. He's a man who's been born lame from his mother's womb. This man had nothing to offer. He was ignored. He was insignificant. He was unwanted. He was uncared for by the sea of people that were surrounding Peter and John. Yet out of all the people going in and out of the temple that morning or that afternoon, this man stands out. Why? One word. That word is a need. He had a need. This man was in need and Peter had what he needed. He needed healing and Peter had the God who heals us in his heart. Peter's full of the Holy Spirit and he recognizes that there's an ability for the person of Jesus to meet this person's need right where he was at. So he was aware, he was looking for opportunity and we see that. So, so life in Christ is about matching needs with resources, you see. He, this guy needed healing. 
Okay? And God had, uh, uh, was able to meet that need. So here's the truth about the lost world around us. It's, uh, it's difficult to teach a hungry man about Jesus. Did you know that? It's difficult to teach a hungry man about Jesus. Because he's always more focused on his empty stomach than he is in, in, uh, aware of his need of spiritual health. Because his stomach is rumbling. He's hungry. And the only thing that really is going to matter for him is a, is a meal. Sort of like if you go into the foyer right now, you'd be reminded that, man, that's, that smell out there is really nice. Roast chicken, roast beef. Oh, I'm hungry. All of a sudden. It's amazing. So, so give a hungry man food to eat and we've gained an attentive ear. It's the love of God demonstrated in the world. 1 John 3 verses 17 to 18 says this, But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in needs, in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in action and truth. Let's not just talk about having a love for people. Let's demonstrate that. To people. That's what I loved about last night on the carols in the park was that people were actually willing to demonstrate the love of Jesus to the community by serving the community, by helping, getting in and lending a hand. They, were, they demonstrated their love for the community. See, what we need to understand is that the world is full of opportunity to meet needs, speak truth and to love our neighbor. When we understand that the world is full of opportunities to meet needs, we gain a voice to witness for the God who loves them. So here's a thought. To really bring transformation to our communities, we need to change the way that we view or think about our jobs and the other activities that we do from Monday to Saturday. See, winning someone to Jesus is not a Sunday-only deal. Winning someone to Jesus is 24-7, 365 days of the year. You don't get a day off. Did you know that? Some of you are saying, really? I didn't know that. See, it's that simple. So, So what I'm saying is this. If we believe that we can introduce Christ into our workplace or our home or our university, or our school, or our sports team from Monday to Saturday, that we are called by Christ to be missionaries where we are during the working week, we can transform our towns, our cities, and our nation. I am a missionary in my workplace. I'm really praying for my administrator. Okay? (laughs) Teresa, my administrator. I'm praying that she gets saved one day. Wherever you work, wherever you go from Monday to Saturday is your mission field. You are a missionary. You are a missionary. Now, some of us are called to Africa. Some of us are called to China and and wherever. But some of you are just called to your streets. Some of you are just called to your neighbors. Some of you are just called to your workplace. Wherever you are from Monday to Saturday is the place that God is asking you to be a missionary. Many of us go about our Monday to Saturday lives with little or no thought about intentionally and openly sharing the wonderful news of the gospel, 
Yet that was the very thing that Jesus told us to do. Let me read it again to you. Mark 16, verse 15 from the Passion Translation. Jesus says to them, As you go into all the world, share openly the wonderful news of the gospel to the entire human race. See, let's pick this up. Why why can't we run with this in our working week? Let's change the way that we may view what happens from Monday to Saturday and let's look for the opportunities as we go. Because Jesus is saying, come follow me and I'll make you fisher of men, a person who builds the kingdom of God. It's taking those opportunities, looking for opportunities and taking them. So here's the second thing about being intentional. When it comes to being intentional, we need to stay the course. We need to not give up. To hang in there through thick and thin. See, the man in Acts chapter 3 looked at Peter and John and wasn't interested in theology. He wanted money. See, theology wasn't going to put food in his belly. A lecture on sin and its consequences wasn't going to give shelter for the night. He simply wasn't there to buy what they were selling. I love what Peter does though. See, he isn't uh, deterred by this man's obvious desire. I don't have any money, he says, Peter says. But what I do have, I want to give to you. See, often in life, the message of the gospel is the last thing that people want to hear. They want needs met. They want time off. They want to be left alone so that they can do as they please. Some of us have kids who are far from God. We have a spouse who may be far from God. Most of us have family and friends who are far from God as well. But I want to encourage us this morning, stay the course. Don't give up. Continue to pray for them. Get their name up on the board over here. Continue to look for opportunities that you can just lovingly, openly share about Jesus in their world. Even when it looks hopeless and like a complete waste of time, let your light shine. Let your service count and keep being intentional with the opportunities that we see to openly share Jesus to the people in our world. I can't promise you that this is going to make any difference to them because people have free will. But what I will guarantee you is that it might make a difference. It might make a difference. It might change someone's heart. It might change someone's mind. Don't give up. Stay the course. Keep looking for opportunities and give them who we have. His name is Jesus. I'm reminded again of Paul's charge to young Timothy in Ephesus. Paul said, I give you this charge today, Timothy, he says. He says this in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 to 5. He says, I give you this charge, Timothy. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. 
Instead, to suit their own desires, the way that they want to live, the way that they want to be left alone, they will actually gather around them a great number of teachers to say what they only want to hear, the answers that they're looking for. He says that they'll turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to believe myths. But you, Timothy, Paul says, but you, Timothy, keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. I love that. Paul says, I give you this charge, Timothy. What he's saying to Timothy is, Timothy, be intentional about what you're doing. Be intentional. Don't just float through life like a butterfly. Okay? But be intentional about what you're doing. A number of years ago, <clears throat> Pastor Tim Newsham preached a powerful series of messages in our church. It was called Making Sense of Dollars. It was a great series. How to effectively handle money in today's context. A part of that, is, uh, that, that series, I, I remember something that absolutely gripped me with what he said. He said that, he and his family were always intentional about what they did with their money. They were intentional in their savings. They were intentional in being generous. They were intentional in their tithing. And they said some other things as well. So what they did was they planned to save. They planned to be generous. They planned to tithe. And isn't that Exactly what every believer is called to do with the message of the wonderful good news that we have. To be intentional with who we have. To intentionally look for and take the opportunities that we encounter. To make a deliberate decision to never give up. I'm in this for the long haul. I'm going to go the distance. See, here's the deal. Someone saw an opportunity with me. Someone took an opportunity with me. Someone didn't give up on me when I continued to say no to them about going to their church. But one day, one day, I, my heart softened. And the only reason it softened was because I wanted to shut them up. But sometimes people will say yes because they just want to shut you up. And that's the open door the Holy Spirit's looking for. I went along to a church. God spoke to Jane and I on the same day in the same service. We went together. And the result of that is that today... I stand before you as the pastor of Infused Church, encouraging you, encouraging us all to be intentional, to take the opportunities, to not give up. Because we can see our family and friends wonder Jesus. Because we can populate heaven with a message of good news. We can see people walk across the line and yield their lives to, to Christ Almighty. And who knows, 
That the person that we speak to is the very catalyst that God uses to, 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 to create revival across Australia. That goes worldwide. Someone saw the opportunity. Someone took the opportunity. And someone never gave up. The deal was that that person that was talking to me wasn't the first person that had ever spoken to me about Christ. I said this a couple of weeks ago. It's the law of the second invitation. We're never the first person to talk to that person about God. God's already been speaking to them about it. Even from a child, I I remember going to Sunday school. It impacted me powerfully. I remember going through primary school and that one of my mates, his, his, his older brother, was getting ready for the, uh, the Catholic priesthood. I thought, man, what a great thing to do. I would love to have done that. Through the process of my teenage years, my heart was hardened. Just life experience, things that happened to you as a young person, my heart grew hard. But even in the hardness of my heart, God got the message through. And I believe that he wants to get the message through to people who are important in your world. I want to show you a video. Have a watch this. This is Nate. Nate became a Christ follower two weeks ago and is still a bit giddy about it. Now he's trying not to do cartwheels in public. Nate became a believer partly because of Kim. Yet, oddly enough, Kim and Nate have never met. Now, is this possible? Well, let's take a look. Kim loved Jesus from an early age, and in college she had a huge impact on her friends. While most of her peers used their college years to, well, experiment, Kim didn't. She remained committed to her faith, and it showed. It especially showed to Lisa, her roommate, who confessed to Kim that she wanted whatever it was that made Kim so strong. Kim shared her faith with Lisa, and Lisa believed. Years later, at Lisa's first real job, she met Thomas. Thomas was hit by a drunk driver when he was 13 and still carried a lot of anger and bitterness. Thomas and Lisa became friends, and it wasn't long before he started going to church with Lisa and her husband. After a lot of studying and searching, Thomas gave his life to Christ. Fast forward a few years. Thomas became a public speaker and was often asked to speak at large events. See, when he became a believer, Thomas developed a new perspective on life. He stopped resenting what had been taken from him and started being thankful for the second chance he had been given. On one particular day, Thomas shared about overcoming hardship and what it means to choose joy. He was so passionate that a number of people were inspired to share a link to his video. The video of Thomas inspired James, too. And if anyone needed inspiration, it was him. James had a ton of issues. He spent most of his life as a passive husband, an absent father, and a horrible friend. That said, no one disliked him more than he disliked himself. But everything changed the night he happened to watch Thomas online. Something clicked and he knew what he had to do. He surrendered his miserable life to someone greater, and he was forever changed. James fought hard to make up for the lost years with his family. And he also began working with young men who were in danger of throwing their lives away. One of those men was Nate. Nate didn't really know his own dad, and he had no real direction in life, ultimately bouncing from one bad decision to another. Because of that, he often found himself in trouble with the law. No one had ever showed him what it looked like to be a real man. That is, until he met James. 
James became the first father figure Nate ever had. He learned about honesty, self-control, humility, and integrity, and where those traits come from. Two months later, Nate publicly declared his belief in Christ. And of course, James was there. Now you can see the connection. Nate was impacted by James, who was influenced by Thomas. Thomas saw an uncommon joy in Lisa, who learned of Jesus from Kim. Kim's relationship with God eventually led to Nate's. Funny how these two people have never met and never will. That video gets to me. <laughs> We have to be intentional in what we're going to do. Jesus is building his church. And here's the deal. You're the bricklayers. You're the plumbers, the carpenters. You're the second fixers. God is using us in the shaping and the molding and the construction of his, of his, of his church. And my encouragement to us is... Simply this, like Jesus said to his disciples, as you go into the world, openly share the wonderful news of the gospel whenever there's an opportunity, whenever there's an open door, whenever you see a need and you can meet that need. Be open to those opportunities and to take them when they come. Let's stand. The video is powerful, isn't it? The very thought that we could actually have walked past people that we don't know and that they were actually responsible for our salvation. That somehow God used them to open up our hearts and to reach in and to lovingly come and dwell within us to transform our lives someone did that for me someone did that for you I think it's time we did that for someone else I think it's time that we (coughs) opened up the door we allowed the Holy Spirit to flow through us and to take the opportunities that God by His Spirit presents. There are people in our community that need Jesus. They won't hear about Him if we remain silent. 
They won't hear about him if we fail to meet their needs. We can't meet every need, but as the body of Christ, working together in partnership with other churches, we can. Most of you know my stance on the kingdom of God. I love our denomination, but I love the kingdom of God more. I think our denomination is a wonderful denomination to be a part of. It's so encouraging. It's so empowering. But I can't go through this life just thinking about our denomination. I need to think about the kingdom. Heavenly Father, would you speak to us in a way that only you by your spirit can do about helping us to populate heaven. Help us to populate heaven. Help us to simply take opportunities as they're presented. Help us to reach out to people in and around us that we can be openly sharing the gospel of Jesus with. I, Father, thank you for your people today. I thank you for what you're doing in each and every person's life. And I pray that this message would quicken your people in such a way that we simply stick our hand up and say, Lord, would you use me? Would you help me to speak up and to take opportunities as they're presented? Would you do that in the name of Jesus this morning, Holy Spirit? Use me, Lord. Use me, Lord, to reach out to the people in my world. To be open with who you are. That people can see a change, a difference in who I am. And it causes them to simply say, what's different about you? And we can simply say, his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. Just as every head is bowed and every eye is closed... I want to give people an opportunity this morning to give your heart to Jesus. Maybe you've never done that before. You've never asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life. But this morning, you've heard something about this person, Jesus. It's just touched your heart. It's just impacted your spirit. You didn't realize that you were here intentionally. You're not here by accident. I thought I went to church and I got saved by accident. But it was a plan of God that I was there that day. You're here by the divine will of God this morning. God's got you here. He knows who you are. He knows where you're at. Is it time this morning that you gave the lordship of your life to Jesus? If you've never invited Jesus to be the Lord of your life, but this morning you just really feel that you need to do that, I'd like you to put your hand up. I want to pray with you. Is there anyone here this morning? I'd love to pray with you and celebrate you getting across the line and giving your heart to Jesus this morning. Is there anyone here? Put your hand up nice and tall so that I can see it. Anybody at all? Anybody at all? Okay. 
This morning, maybe you've heard something in my message that has prompted you to say, Lord, I'm going to start taking opportunities. Maybe you've had opportunities in the past, but just didn't really feel that you could do that. But this morning, it's not about could do, it's about want to. If that's you this morning, I want to pray for you this morning. I don't like you to put your hand up. If there's any people here this morning, you just want to start taking opportunities as they're presented. Anyone here? number of hands going up all over the place. Heavenly Father, I thank you for these people who've indicated their desire to step out more and to take opportunities as you present them. Father, would you use these people? Give them opportunities this week. To see opportunities and to take those opportunities. That as they go about whatever it is that they're doing, that you'd use them to openly share the wonderful news of the gospel with the people that they come into contact with. Father, I thank you for that. Lead them, Holy Spirit. Empower them to do this. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hope that helps someone this morning. Praise God. We're going to go out with singing a song and then I'll come back and we'll say grace and we'll give you some instructions for the meal. Bless you.